0: Democracy is in crisis. It's something we are all witnessing uh, to some extent or another in every democratic country. We are aware of of, of some of the symptoms, but much less so of the real causes. Uh, Some point to growing impact of uh, conspiracy conspiracy theories and fake news, other to woke ideologies, sweeping academia and the media. But they all would be wrong. These are, I argue, mere mere symptoms of a far deeper problem. What, then, is the problem? Simply put, is that the representative part of representative democracy is dwindling away. As representation withers, we will be increasingly left with a kind of direct democracy, one that is far closer to the literal democracies that were practiced in Greek or Italian city-states or in some Swiss cantons. Democracies where all of the public, the demos, is directly involved in the decisions of government. For centuries, it was a given that this type of direct government was impossible in political entities that were larger than what could be assembled in the town square. But uh, recent uh, technological developments have now created a virtual Town square that can hold simultaneously millions, even hundreds of millions, of people. Before looking at what has brought about this about and what it means for the future of conservatism in society, it's worthwhile to bear in mind for a second why was it that the vast majority of political thinkers in history uh, hated the idea of a simple democracy? It was because the immediacy of direct democratic deliberations has an innate tendency to be volatile and ferocious, even prone to be controlled by demagogues. Uh, The most uh, famous of these uh, regimes, Democratic Athens, systematically exiled uh, many of its most prominent citizens. That is when it did not execute them in violent mood swings. In fact, all modern democracies were born as attempts to balance out these natural democratic tendencies with a mixed government possessing some non-democratic elements, such as aristocratic or federal upper house, but first and foremost, with the notion of representation. This is a concept that was born of, a, actually born during the Middle Ages out of the um, device of legal representation and developed in in England, where the parliament was a, A court, and then it slowly became um, uh, what we call a representative uh, assembly. Let's first look at the framework of constitutional democracy to understand what has been whittled away. Despite uh, great differences between them, we can see that all functioning democracies have some shared features which serve to counter the power of undiluted popular will two features stand out as more significant. The first is the retaining of some non-democratic element within the democratic structure, making, making it thus a mixed constitution, mixed democracy and something else. So this element might be things like unelected head of state or the selection of a head of state by the electors rather than direct elections. It might be some feature of the upper House, such as consisting wholly or partially of members who are not elected or are not elected by the principle of one, one man, one vote, one person, one vote, uh, such, uh, such as the federalist or confederalist principles. These are principles who are not really democratic, if we think about it, because they um, they tend to counterbalance the popular will. Um, the second and more significant feature is the very idea of re- representation that has stood at the heart of representative government even before it was democratic. This idea uh, existed in many countries, uh, the UK, even uh, the US, when most of the popul- popul- adult population didn't have the vote. Still, the representatives were believed as being representative of the whole population or essentially of the whole people lived in their uh, voting area. Uh, this idea was termed, um, the, the, the term used to, use to de- describe this was virtual representation, meaning I'm repre- representing even those who don't vote or don't vote for me. Now this term ha- has acquired another ironic meaning. Uh, since the early 19th century, every every expansion of, of the voting franchise uh, and beyond ma- made the principle of representation more democratic until the two came to be uh, more or less seen as uh, the same. Um, after the Second World War, there was a golden age for representative democracy uh, because the recent mem- memory of uh, horrors brought about by the wartime dictatorships and the continuing threat from communism meant that the public consensus in representative democracies used to be moderate and prudent, usually seeking some centrist compromise because of the fear of uh, fascism, communism, and so on. But uh, that, of course, changed after the fall of communism in Europe, when a general feeling of relief was followed by a false belief that the democratic order had triumphed, not because of its conservative and moderate character, but because it expressed liberal principles. People really came to believe it, and this this view was termed the end of history, meaning that liberal democracy was the final stage of man's political development, and democracies could no could now be wilder without consequences because there, there is no, no real alternative. So much of the identity politics, LGBTQ, critical theories and woke discourse were really let loose only in the 1990s when democracy looked at too many as inevitable as something akin to, the, to a state of nature. But at the very time this end of history was happening, the so-called end of history, a technological upheaval that had been gathering strength was, was changing Things dramatically. It was called, of course, the internet. For centuries, the reach and immediacy of mass media had been steadily expanding through printed books, then newspaper, radio, cinema, and television. Nevertheless, all of these were ultimately media, meaning intermediary be- tool between someone who produced this in- information and those who received it. So it was one one directional, basically. Uh, Information was produced, after all, by a relatively small groups who then distributed the products to a wider population. This structure could and was, for the most part, controlled by governments or interest groups like parties or trade unions or commercial corporations, or, or some mix of them. Um, although these smart media outlets vastly increased the reach and directness of popular opinion, they still could retain and, in some respects, even fortify the traditional structure of representative democracy. However, As the dust from the fall of the Berlin Wall was setting down, a far greater upheaval was rising rapidly. The system of interconnected computer networks, what we now call the internet, had actually been around since the 1960s, but only around 1990 it passed a technological threshold which allowed commercial involvement in its expansion. From that point the network rapidly expand, expand, extended to every house and eventually every electronic device as a two-way system that is not only between uh, two or three endpoints like a telephone call, uh, but between all points at the, at the same time. Few realized at the time the epochal meaning of this development. Many of those who realized even a fraction of it are now billionaires. Uh, f- for the new network networking technology aided success- successfully by personal computers, cell phones, smartphones, and so on, in a short time gave every connected individual the potential to immediately, directly, and constantly make their voices heard. The meaning of this is still hard for many to fully fathom, but in a sense it creates a virtual town square that is permanently active, and that encompasses numbers that can be larger than population of the largest country of the world. Billions of people now find themselves in such town squares resembling in some respects, those of ancient Athens and so on. May, meanwhile, the political institutions and traditions are ever still those of the old, or not old, but of existing representative democracy. As a result, many of these new virtual t- citizens are starting to draw the consequences and ask themselves, who needs representation? I can represent myself. Although most of this is still in early stages, mainly submerged and inquired, uh, I, I think it's starting to appear clearer all the time. The signs are clear for all of us to see. Without giving too much thought to the theoretical aspects, many are already acting accordingly. They ask themselves, what good are represented, uh, elected representatives in Washington DC or the state capitol or even the city hall who are elected every two years, let's say, or four years or whatever, when I can voice and act directly on any political question now? Isn't my opinion, now on vaccination or gas prices more significant and more relevant than that of someone I voted in several years ago when these issues weren't even on the table. Indeed, now that I can become informed about everything immediately on, say, Wikipedia or Vox, isn't my opinion at least as good as someone who t- with years of expertise in uh, medicine or politics. You all know what I am describing. This is not the future. I am describing the present, a present in which every public issue is increasingly subject to a constant and capricious referendum. Um, these developments are already starting to impact politics: the Brexit vote in Britain and the rise of the newly made Macron party, uh, uh, the near election of, of Trump, and uh, the, the election of Trump and the near election of Sanders are also were also the first uh, effects of this, uh, of this um, process. But uh, the flip side of this virtual populism is of course the immense and growing political influence of what I call the app giants, new media companies like Facebook, Amazon, Google, and so on. It is the, it's, it is the flip side because unlike the vocal and in your face explicit poli- politics of figures like Sanders and Trump, the new media giants draw their power from concealed impact on politics. Their immediate reach into the phones, tablets, and computers of billions of people, and their mining of every bit of data allows them allows them to subtly and not so subtly steer the hyper-democratic public opinion in mat- matters ranging from taste in footwear to political choice. Um, as I have to finish, um, uh, I will uh, point out that liberals are fatally ill-equipped to deal with these challenges since. Their very ideological foundations is rational and individual choice. They do not possess the intellectual justification for balancing the rise of hyper-democracy. Actually, they are trying to double down the administrative state in order to run away. It's a bit comical. But uh, it's, I think that actually conservatives do have the tools to do this because it's uh, often uh, forgotten that conservative parties uh, uh, supported the expansion of the franchise in many countries, including Germany and Britain, uh, out of the assumption of conservatives and liberals that most of the population actually has strong conservative instincts, and they were proved right. So we are only beginning to understand the full scope of the challenges brought about by this hyperdemocracy, and that, I admit that much more thought must go into it. But I can make three uh, th- three points. That, uh, where conservatism can bring about uh, some uh, counterbalances to this uh, new hyper-democratic uh, trend. I would say that uh, the first is education in conservative ideas, w- uh, which um, many despair that anything significant can be done on this front. Again, I cannot expand, but since the current model of higher education is pretty much crumbling from the inside, I, my feeling is that there is uh, a lot of interest uh, among young people in hearing conservative ideas. Um, a few months ago, there were many people who were interested in hearing me speaking for one hour about John Seldon, a speaker they never heard about. And this is a program that never could have been made in any mainstream you know, television or radio uh, station. So uh, this is, I, I think there is a thirst there. The second uh, point is Uh, bringing religion uh, back into the public square in various ways. If you think this is impossible, remember that what only in the 1950s, for instance, in the US, that Congress uh, changed the pledge in 1944 to include under God, and only in 1956 adopted In God We Trust as the official motto of the US. And the third is the idea of hierarchy, meaning our democratic era is producing not only an equalization of right, but also the idea that there is an equality of ideas and values. And conservatives clearly believe that there is a hierarchy of values and of ideas, and I think that uh, this is also uh, an element that we can uh, uh, bring about into the uh, public uh, square or public discussion that can serve as another um, counter Measure or counterweight to this expansive uh, hyper democracy. Thank you.